Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Eastlake and welcome to Eastlake Online. For those of you catching us online or on replay, we're so glad that you are here as well. And for those of you in person, we're pumped that you're here. If you're a first-time guest with us, you picked a great day to come check us out. We're starting a brand new series today, but before we get into that, I want to brag for just a second. Is it okay if I brag on something real quick? Um, of course it is. I have the microphone. You don't. You're here. Whatever. What are you going to say? No. You got to start right now. Um, uh, real quick, uh, yesterday, so uh, the, for the past couple of months, you've pro- probably heard or seen, there's a family in the church that has a, a, a little girl, 13 years old, who is going through uh, a can- battling cancer. Uh, she had surgery on it a while back and, and thought it was gone, and then it came back, and so she's over in Seattle currently doing treatment. Her, some of her extended family's here, uh, but mom and dad are over there uh, currently with her at Ronald McDonald House. And so uh, as a church, there's been a couple things popping up. We did Trevi and I, we did this, that, and the other thing. And one of the things happened uh, yesterday that was really, really cool. Sam uh, and Becky McKeek, they uh, attend here. I think they're here. I saw the truck earlier. Anyways, um, and they sat in the audience like you, and I'm sure went through some sort of a processing question like everybody else. I don't assume that he did it at church. They might've done it at home too. But um, the question that I think is uh, important for every Christian everywhere is uh, with what I've been given, with where I'm at, with the passions, that things that I'm passionate about in my life, with the resource that I have and whatever influence I have, you know, what can I do to help? And not just in this situation, but it's a good question to ask in whatever situation that we have in, in, in terms of uh, giving and being people who wear love back into our community. Uh, with all of this, what can I do? to help. And so uh, he's passionate about BMX and, and has got his boys in it. And, uh, and so they said, well, let's do a race. Let's do a BMX race. You, probably, you may have seen this on the news or I, I shared it on uh, Facebook as well, but let's do a race where all of the money goes to it. We'll do a silent auction. We'll do a, a raffle thing. And a bunch of people showed up. And uh, yesterday we got to hand over a check uh, to uh, their family. Uh, Greg received it, but I'm going to make sure that he actually deposits it for Lana. Um, but $10,000 was raised to help with uh, some of the offsetting, ex- some of the expenses. And it was a message of, here, we know we can't, we can't fix Lana, but here's what we can do to kind of help as, as she goes through this, this, this battle. And so it was really, really cool. It was really, so it was awesome. I'm bragging on um, Sam, I'm bragging on the family, I'm bragging on the whole event. So Columbia Basin BMX, uh, shout out to them. But just the, the, asking that question, I think is so critically important. Important, and I, th- I think it'll show up a little bit later in what we do today. So that's my little brag thing. Not because not because Eastlake did it. It wasn't it had nothing to do with us. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'll brag about those things later. Uh, but it had uh, more to do with uh, people within just the church and and people who don't even know Lana uh, and, and aren't a part of attached to Eastlake in any way. So pretty cool story, pretty cool thing. But um, today we're kicking off a series. Uh, that is a pendulum swing away from what we just came out of. We teach in series here. If you're new to East Lake, we teach like a, a topical thing for like four, six weeks or whatever, however long it takes to kind of cover it or I get done tired of talking about it, or you get tired of hearing about it and we move on to the next thing. Um, and the, the series that we just came out of was uh, called More Than Roommates. It was a series on you know relationships and brokenness and coming out of COVID and all the emotional wreckage that is involved in, in, in some of that stuff. And uh, if, if you came out of last week, and last week was like emotionally charged, I played this song at the end that kind of, and if you, if you walked out of that and go, Brent, here's the deal. 
that was awesome. Make, make me cry every week with songs and music and, and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I, want, I want to be, uh, I need emotional wreckage weekly. Then my, my recommendation for you would be, have you watched This Is Us? Because I feel like that would be a show that would, you would want to watch. But unfortunately, that's not how uh, typically I, uh, we, you know, we, we do church here. It's more like a kind of a stress and release sort of strategy. So if you, uh, if, if you love that series, this might not be a great series for you. If you hated, if you load that series, you're like, oh, too touchy-feely, too emotionally for me, you might love this series. We're going to jump into a series on church and the culture, church and, and the world and uh, all of that stuff. So I want to talk about the relationship between church and faith and religion and quote unquote, the world. And when I say the world, I say that bring it up because I don't know what your religious you know, background was or what kind of a home you grew up in or what kind of a church you went to or what Sunday school looked like for you. But these words evoke some sort of emotion in you if you grew up in any religious environment, even if it wasn't Christian. This is not like, you know, isolated to Christianity. But when these two words are spoken together, there is a tone in which kind of uh, presents a little bit of a, I think, a different type of, uh, of you know, approach or, or uh, attitude towards uh, this, the, the world. There's a tonality that is important there. And there's uh, people a lot smarter than me have come up with different types of religions uh, and how they approach, their religion approaches the world. Um, and, uh, Again, Christianity is not the exception. It's, it's just part of this thing. But there, there are religions that promote, that are against the world, that are considered to be separatist religions. Uh, it's, uh, th- this is a way of saying w- w- the, the world is like, a, it's a negative thing, right? So it's the, the world. It's us and the, it's, there's thus and then there's the world, right? And then there are religions that are, are far more positive. Uh, they call those uh, synchristic religions or for the world. They, these, are, these are religions that, are, that see the world and there's like super hopeful for the world and the world offers a lot of things for us. Then there's people uh, who uh, kind of grew up in, a, in, a, in church or religion where uh, the attitude towards the world was far more neutral. The world is fine, but it's kind of a banal existence. It's a pretty much neutral and we kind of transcend above that. And so there's, there's, there's everyday life and then there's religion. So it's an above the world sort of thing. And then lastly, uh, this idea of transforming the world, which is kind of a, a balance, mixed balance between all of these things. And the church and the home and the religion that you grew up in uh, probably fell into one of these four categories. And, and, and I know it's kind of like, this is really mundane, Brent. What are you talking about? I, I understand that it probably we hear this or we see this and we go, okay, um, these are different types. I get it. Um, but so what? What does this mean to me, man? I need something that's like tangible, like inspire me. Again, don't make me cry with music, but like something more, something balanced in that way. Good question. I want to say, well, what do you think you mean when you pray those words that say, um, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And maybe you don't say those words, but it shows up in Matthew chapter six, the Lord's prayer. Jesus teaches disciples to pray. And when you pray, here's how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You may not say those words, but what is it that you hope for or what comes to your mind? Or what is, it, what is it that you really mean when you say this? If you've ever said these things and somebody who calls you on it and says, what, what does that mean? What, what do you think that that means for you? What does it mean to want something for the world or something done on the world in this world as it is in heaven? Or perhaps you don't pray. Maybe you're not a religious person or, or prayer has just never been uh, sort of your thing um, and, uh, and somebody bribed you with lunch afterwards, that's why you're here. That's totally weird to watch online or whatever. That's fine. Uh, you hear, but you hear like Lana's race story and you're like, that's awesome. That's inspiring. I'm glad that they did that. You, you can, you 
find things that resonate with you, that there's resonance in, in good things happening uh, in the world. And then you would follow up that sort of resonance with a question of, was it their faith or their friendship that inspired them to do that? Was it was a bunch of friends going, we care about Brian and Jody and we wanna do this for them and, and, and support them. Because if it's friendship, I want that, that part or that side of community in my life. I want that type of friendship. I wanna be that friend for somebody when they're in need. And I would also like people in my life, should I ever have to go through, through something as traumatic as that for them to be there for me? So it's inspiring that way. Or um, if it, is it, was it their faith? When, when, when these people held this event and people showed up and paid far too much, like we literally told them this gift basket is only valued at this much. And they're like, well, we wanna pay this much. And we're like, that's more than it's worth. And they're like, it's for a good cause, right? Uh, what inspired them to do that? Is it, a, is it a conviction? Is it their faith? Is there something that, that people who don't even have relationship with the McDowell's all of a sudden want to do something and, and it becomes that of this is what I ought to do? And they may not assign that necessarily to you know, Christianity or spirituality, but like there's an oughtness to it, right? I, and, and you would say if, if they did this because they felt an oughtness to it, I want that for me. I want to live a life with conviction. I want to live with a sense of, being inclined towards doing things that are good, that point to something uh, good in this way. So uh, this is important. If it was their faith, I want that type of conviction. If it was their friendship, I want that type of community. The type, and when I walk through these four types of, of, uh, of things, right? Against the world, for the world, uh, above the world, or, or kind of mixed emotions with this sort of thing, uh, transforming the world. Your type will shape how you ask that question. What do I mean? Uh, when, I, when I'm saying thy will be done on earth? What, what am I saying when I want something for, for the world? When I see this and I say, that feels like it's good. It will shape how you ask it. It'll shape how often you ask that question. And most importantly, I think it'll shape how you answer that earlier question. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? That's an important question. I would love every Christian to kind of make that be a part of their life. And you, the type of upbringing that you had in your relationship to the world will shape how often, how you ask that question and what your answer is to that question. So we're gonna talk about types a little bit uh, for the next couple of weeks. Two things real quick about types. Uh, number one, you're probably more complex than just one type. Um, but uh, you probably need to think in terms of what is your primary thing. If you've ever taken like an Enneagram test or a, I don't know, one of those animal tests where you're like, are you a beaver or are you a lion? You're like, well, I don't know, right? And so you take this test and you're like, you're a lion, right? And you're like, I don't even know what that means, right? Uh, you, you might be something, but you're like, you, you get done with those tests and you read what the description is. You're like, that's kind of me, but it's also like kind of not me, right? If you've ever done an Enneagram that somebody like goes, oh, you're definitely a three. You're like, well, maybe, but like, then you see, you read the cons of the three or the whatever, and you're like, wow, that sounds like I'm a jerk. I don't want to be that. So I'm, I'm that, but I'm also a little bit of a nine, a little bit of a, all, I'm all the good things of six, all the good things of nine, just all the good things packaged together. That's me, right? Um, so I get it, I understand. So when we talk about these types, and I'm gonna tell you, I think it's a good way to be again to filter how you approach life and move forward with this. Just know, I get it. You're gonna be like, well, I wasn't completely against the world. I wasn't completely for the world. I understand. But think in terms of primary number two, that there are pros and cons to every type and that no type is perfect. Uh, we're gonna talk through different expressions of the church throughout history that reflect 
people who were, uh, did church against the world, people who did church that were for the world, people who uh, transcend, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they, they all have validity to some reason. There, there is a reason that a lot of people have thought like this and operated like this throughout history. There is a reason that they continue to do this, that there are churches that exist in this way and not one type is perfect. Um, and each have their things going for them and, and not going for them. And I know, obviously, uh, you know, there's people who go, yeah, well, whichever one he does last is typically the best one. It's called the leading bias. When somebody goes, would you rather have A, B, C, or D, right? They're obviously leading you towards something. So I, you, I understand. Listen, I, I'm confessing to you, I have a type. Um, and because I'm the primary communicator of this, you're not the only communicator, but the primary one, um, this church is going to have a type, which might explain a little bit, maybe put flesh on why perhaps you love it, or perhaps uh, you put up with it, or it's frustrating to you, like he never talks about this, he always talks about this, or something like that. So um, anyways, it's important, and I think variety is critical. I think I, I don't want to bring up these types to say, I wish everybody was our type. I don't feel like that. In fact, I think there's tremendous opportunity for uh, types to, like various types to exist and thrive together that we can all be uh, under the umbrella of Christianity or under, under the umbrella of religion and not look the same way in the same way that I'm so glad that the schools that I grew up in, that you grew up in had various kinds of teachers for all kinds of kids, right? Sometimes what you needed most was the teacher who was the driver who made you earn every A and you felt really good coming out of that class to be like, I earned that A minus, you know what I mean? Like, I did that. And then there were teachers, you're like, I need you to be soft. I, I, I need to get my driver's license back from my parents. I need an easy A in this, right? Sometimes you needed those teachers as well. Sometimes you needed the teachers who were really, really smart, who made you think about how dumb you were. Cause you're like, I just, uh, you know, like not, they didn't, they would never say that. They were too smart for that. But like their intelligence made you go, maybe I don't know everything as a 16 year old, right? It's really weird spot to be in, but like, I'm glad I'm like, there were times when I'd be like, I'm so glad that I, this isn't everything that I don't know everything. Cause I don't want this to be the peak of my knowledge. Um, I definitely don't know enough. And then there are teachers who are just like, you needed this teacher. They just, they're in it to make sure you had a good time at school today. Right. And I love it. That's great. My wife is a preschool teacher this year. And I'll ask her how she goes. I think the kids have a lot of fun today. You know what I mean? It's great. I love it. And they're learning too. They're doing all, don't worry. She's a great teacher. She's fully rounded and all that way. But uh, that's important. We needed all of those types of things. Listen, when we were asked this question 11 years ago, why does the Tri-Cities need another church? You passed 10, 20 churches on your way here this morning. Why do we need another one? Um, because a lot, of, a lot of people need a lot of different things. There are a lot of different types. And I just want to talk about the types and the lenses by which we look through this, because I think it's going to shape a lot of uh, how you grew up and, and how, you know, how you find fulfillment in religion and, and how you stay true to your faith moving forward with all of this kind of thing. So, all right. Here's also why on a personal level, I think this is important. Just to kind of open the door and just be raw, real with you for, for a minute. In our household... Um, my wife and I have oftentimes uh, sat uh, at night on the couch and, and you know, had the, had, you know, we just got through a tough day, long day, whatever the kids are doing, with, but they're finally in bed and we're just like, ugh. And, uh, and we, we begin to ask the question, like, are we, are we doing good enough? Is this good? Are we doing a disservice to our kids? Are we raising them right? Are we, what is right? What does it mean? We feel like this, uh, responsibility to be parents, like good parents. And, and I think everybody, every parent has gone through that season where you're like, I think, am I good? Is this awful? Are my kids turds? I don't even know. Like maybe they are, whatever. Uh, it, it's a struggle against this. And, and here's, here's where it showed up in a big way for us and, uh, that we kind of had to make this realization. 
we grew up in a against the world sort of religious environment. Now, I wanna be careful because my parents were great and the church we grew up in was great, shaped all that kind of stuff. And, and my mom sometimes watches these. So, you know, all that kind of stuff. I gotta be careful, right, whatever. Uh, and, and some of you know her too, because she's been, speak, she spoke for me a couple weeks ago and, and her and my dad and whatever, anyways. Um, but for the most part, it was a church that was a part of the denomination, part of religion that prized itself on sort of separation from church and state or, or um, like the, the, the world does this this way, but we do this this way. It was very much a, those are the things of the world. This is the, uh, you know, we are called out. We are called to be distinct. We are the ecclesia, like the church, the called out ones, like live differently. That's the way of the world. This is the way of, uh, of God that he's called us to be, like to live differently or countercultural or whatever. And, there, and by the way, there's a huge spectrum involved in this as well. And we were definitely more on the middle side of this because I, I know that their churches were like, we're going to be completely different from the world, right? We're not going to have any technology. We're not going to, you know, all, uh, that there's, there's extreme versions to take even within these types. Um, but it was, it was interesting a lot of times um, which verses were the ones that were kind of prized or talked about. And one of the verses that would come up would be like, you know, be in the world, but not of the world. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So you can be a living sacrifice and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was a big deal. One of the verses is a big one, uh, and it shows up in kind of a, a variety. In the same way that there are lots of expressions of churches and types, it even shows up in Scripture when you see that the Bible is not a book written by an author. It's a collection of books written by a bunch of different authors, uh, written to, especially the New Testament, a bunch of different churches in different areas with different contexts and different stories and different levels of persecution or, or reason for existence or what they're going through or whatever, struggles. Uh, and in, in the book of 1 John, here's one of the verses that is a key verse for if you grew up in the same kind of us against the world sort of, sort of verse or, or sort of church, this is a verse that probably showed up on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or whatever. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. I mean, this was like youth group, man. Do not, you know, ever get, hey, junior high students, high school students, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Do not love the world or anything in the world, okay? Everybody good? You know, let's move on. Let's go slap each other with silly string and all kinds of stuff. Anyways, that was... That was like a key verse with this. And, and on, on a couple of levels, it makes sense. Um, because logically speaking, when we talk about the lordship of Christ, when we talk about Jesus as Lord of our life, uh, and, and that was a big declaration that the early church made in deference to like Caesar is Lord, they would say Jesus is Lord for us. What they're doing is sort of, distancing themselves from the way that everybody else does things and showing their true allegiance over here. And whenever you do that, there is, a, uh, there is an automatic sort of negation of something else in order to say yes to this. When you got married, um, you probably got all dressed up really nice, stood in front of friends and family and in front of a pastor like myself and exchanged vows with your special someone, right? And in those vows was something along the lines of forsaking everybody else, I choose you right? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a powerful, uh, unifying thing to be like, I'm, I don't have eyes for anybody else. Now my eyes are, are entirely uh, on you. And, 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 and that's, that's good. That's a negation that speaks to this sort of thing. And so it makes sense to be like, when it comes to religion, when it comes to uh, faith, uh, logically speaking, there is a separationist sort of uh, thing. There isn't against the world. It creates very clear boundaries and clear categories of what are we? What is this? 
The reason that you perhaps went down this road uh, spiritually is because it was the clearest sense of now, I, now I'm going to attempt to be a Christian. Now I'm moving towards this Christian thing. So in order to do that, what do I need to say n- no against, right? And so this is, this is it works. Uh, chronologically speaking, not just logically, but chronologically, it was widely held to be the typical attitude of the first church and the early Christians. They found themselves as separatist sort of things. Rome is doing their things their way. We are gonna be the ecclesia. We're gonna be the called out ones. We're gonna be people who, who read from First John and be like, this is a unique way of doing life and, and we're gonna f- experience persecution as a result of it and some suffering and we're gonna fight through this sort of stuff. Um, as a result of extreme separation, then it got into the spot where monks would set up these monasteries. It'd be like, we're gonna do in life in general separate from everybody else. We're gonna have our own enclave where you, you know, take this vow of poverty, this vow of I don't do things in that way, I do things. And it shows up in modern day religions and Mennonites, Amish, whatever. But on a milder level, perhaps it made sense for you too. Uh, you know, I mean, we, you grew up in, in, in perhaps, not, not all of you, but some of you grew up in, in uh, a very against the world thing where you would say, listen, we had uh, our own music. We had our own Christian, it was Christian music. We had Christian radio stations. We had Christian TV stations. We had Christian movies. None of it were good, but it was ours. We had it. It's ours. And we would say, and we grew up in youth groups that would say, that's the way of the world. And in a sense, we were measured by our distance away from the quote unquote things of the world. How were you doing? It was easy to know how you were doing. Are we doing enough for our kids? It was very easy to be like, well, clearly we are. We don't own any of those DVDs. We, we don't listen to any of that. We, you know, it, it was very, the otherness was very enlightening in this way. And, and I, listen, I grew up, in uh, North Idaho for like my elementary years. And so you're talking about like a separatist like culture in general. And then you have a subcategory of Christian in that culture, man. There would be like, we, there was a, a, a prizing of, of how separate you were. We'd be like, you know, I, well, I've never been to a rated R movie. I don't even own a TV. I mean, that was like, it's like, whoa, wow. Don't even ask me what I'm watching. What shows I'm into right now. Don't even own one. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh man, are you poor? No, 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 no. I just, uh, this is, my, this is my badge of honor that I wear. Um, my daughter, London, this week, this is kind of to ex- express kind of where we grew up and how we grew up. Um, my daughter, London, is 14. She attended her first eighth grade, her first school social this week, right? School social. And I, I was homeschooled as a kid, which again, North Idaho is super separate. It makes sense in that way. Uh, it's, that fits. Um, so I asked my, my wife, did you grow up? She kind of was in between. She went to some public school, some private school, whatever. Did you ever go to any socials as a, as a kid in middle school or whatever? She's like, oh, no, no. Those are for our secular friends, you know? Or we stayed home and prayed for our secular friends while they were at their social doing their stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Um, this is how uh, my mom used to illustrate this sort of thing for me. Usually right after I brought home um, some new CD uh, like, that just came out like Bone Thugs and Harmony or Green Day Dookie or something like that. I bring it home and she'd be like, okay, mm, let me see, what'd you buy? What'd you spend $40 at at uh, FYE or whatever? And I'd be like, Here, here's, uh, here's this. Um, and here's what I had to do. I had to be strategic. I could never buy 
uh, again, my dad was a pastor, so I grew up in that world. I could never buy an exp- uh, uh, a CD with the explicit label on it. That was just definitely out of bounds. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even attempt that, you guys. But I found that out that there are a certain allowable number of cuss words before they have to put the label on there. And so those are the ones you want to buy, the ones that are just like close enough, but not quite over the line. And so you buy those and then and you bring it home and you show her and she's like, Dookie, what does Dookie mean? I'd be like, I don't know, mom. That's a great question. I will do some research on that and get back to you on that. And just so you know, uh, as I was writing this in my notes this week, uh, when I wrote and I was thinking through what, what CD should I do? And Green Day Duke, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Did I listen to the entire album while writing the rest of this talk? Hell yeah, I did. It was so good. So good. But again, don't tell my mom. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. Like if you see her, just tell her it was like Newsboys or something else. Okay, that'd be great. Um, so in her most against the world sort of moments, uh, and my mom was great, again, whatever. I, she cared about me, and that's why she did this. And it looks bad as a pastor when your kid is the one telling other kids how good Dookie was. Um, uh, in, her, in her best moments, she would, she would uh, like, I'd play it in my room or whatever. She'd like open the door and be like, hey, did I just hear, I think I just heard something. Did I hear a word that was not supposed to be? And, and I'd have to like, justified. I'd start negotiations with her. Well, here's the deal. There's like four curse words in this whole thing. And one of them's hell, which can like go both ways. So it's like, it doesn't even, it's like three and a half. It's not even like a full, whatever, negotiate with her. And, and my mom had this thing. She would, she would, oh, oh my gosh, so often, I think I've talked about this before. She came up with this metaphor and I'm not kidding with this. She would, she, she'd say, if I ever told you about poop brownies and I'd be like, oh God, mom, come on. And she's like, listen, if your friends made some brownies and put four pieces of poop in the brownie mix, but one of them was like half a piece of poop because it was just a little pebble, would you eat it? And I'm like, mom, and she's like, would you eat it? Would you eat it? I said, are you talking about pot brownies? Are we talking about, are you talking about pot? What are we talking about here? Um, and I was like, I don't even know. And that was, the, that was the thing, man. She's like, I think I made my point. She'd close her door, move on. So listen, that, this is where I'm coming from. This is the world. This is the thing. So I, as, I, as Kylie and I are sitting in, in our living room, like talking about this, like are we, we grew up in a very much against the culture sort of thing. Is this, are we doing okay? Like, are we doing our kids a disservice? I mean, we try and turn down the volume on the HBO when, when we know London's still awake. We, we do that. We, we just started. She's 14 now. We just started showing her TikToks of babies cussing because I don't think that there's anything funny on the planet when a kid doesn't even know how to talk and say words, but they know how to cuss because obviously dad's been around a few times. I love it. It's hilarious. It's the best. And I always preface it, well, you shouldn't laugh at this and definitely don't show any of your friends, but take a look at this. That's the, I mean, you know, this is where we're at. And, and here's how we would resolve it. We, Kylie would say things like this. Listen, I know our, I know our heart's in the right spot. I know, I know we're being super intentional about this. And when we say intentional, we mean, listen, we want to raise our kids um, where their life is characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and all of the friends that come along with that. These, this, what Paul would call the fruits of the spirit. If God's spirit inside of you, then it's, you know, the fruit that comes out of your life are in the expression of these types of things. And I really do think, and she would say, I really do think I see that in our kids. And so I think we're, I think we're doing good, but it is so different because we came out of an against the world sort of culture and, and it's a struggle and it's a whatever. And, 
And listen, not all four types, is we're gonna speak on every different one of these things over the next couple of weeks. Um, it's not, again, there's one that's right over the other. It's just, and not all of them will be this easy to talk about. I've got more personal history and baggage with this one, so and far more jokes. Don't expect it to be nearly as funny next week. But maybe this wasn't, and by the way, this, maybe this wasn't your upbringing. Maybe this has been like the weird, like this is just a weird thing that people, you've always wondered. You know, like the Newsboys joke just completely went over your head. You have no idea who that is. You're like, I'll Google that later. Uh, uh, or perhaps you grew up and you always wondering why religious people seem to be keeping score of whose life is more boring. And you're like, how is that fun? Why would you ever do that? You've always wondered why being different is such a value. After all, aren't the differences all notable in the areas of love, joy, peace, patience? Maybe it is noticeable, but in the, all the wrong reasons. Right, you are different, but not in a good way. Um, and it's, it's, it's very clearly uh, a, a struggle. So listen, there are, there are types of religions that, and, and forms of Christianity that really embrace this. And there are definitely some pros to it. It can definitely make you feel a sense of comfort, perhaps a false sense of comfort, but definitely a sense of comfort of how are we doing? I think we're doing good. We don't own, none of that stuff's in our house. We don't let our kids watch that. They are in bed by, you know, they, they don't watch any TV. They don't watch any screen time. Or they, do, they do this or they never speak like that. Or I don't know. There, there's all kinds of things that can create a, a, a sense of progress or success in, in some way, right? I get that. And I, I do think, uh, that there is something to be said for um, uh, a rejection. I, I do think that there exists, if, if Christ is Lord, it requires a, regret, uh, a rejection or, or a negation of some things, uh, of something. And, and it's the wisdom of figuring out what that is and trying to figure out what, what uh, I can't just be entirely against the world. There, there's gotta be ways in which I am and also ways in which I'm not. So how does that play out and what does that look like? There's a movie that came out a few years ago um, called Captain Fantastic. It's kind of an indie film. I think it's rated R. So if you're like against the world still, then maybe not for you. But um, in it, this guy loses his wife and they've got a ton of kids. And so is it, it kind of a, I'm going to raise my kids in the, like the, in the wilderness. We're going to go and we're going to live in this, this bus that we've kind of made into something else. It's based in the Pacific Northwest. It feels very Portlandy. Um, and... Uh, and he, and he raises, it's not religious, it's separatist without, he's, in fact, he's anti-religion. You don't need God, God, you know, religion's crutch. You can do this through, you know, other stuff. Read all these books from all these really wise authors and philosophers and whatever. And the kids grow up really smart. And, and they're incredibly smart and book smart. And you, and you watch it and part of me watch this and go, I need to make sure that my kid's screen time is not like consumed. I, I need to kind of expose them to some of this. But the, the, the subtitle and the point of the whole movie was this. He, pre <clears throat> he prepared them for everything except the outside world. And eventually these kids grow up and they got to get married and go do this. And they're trying to reintegrate into the world. And they're just so out. And it's such a battle. It's such a, it's such a great critique on on a separatist view. Again, not a religious, but just a separatist against the world. The world is entirely broken. We're gonna do our own thing. <clears throat> In certain contexts, it feels like the right thing. And then, uh, but I, I think as we explore reintegration, as we explore, you know, but what about, what about the, the life for them beyond that? It's, it's a real struggle. Um, I don't want, because you know, I watch that and go, I don't want to turn my kids into that, but I also see that as a critique of what we have, which I think is the value uh, that shows up in uh, why this type is important. 
why I want churches and people to exist like this, and, and this is a good place for a lot of people. There's an intensity that comes along with this that is, this is important because their radicalism can often spark change, spark change in my life and be like, you know what, their intensity in, in this area makes me rethink my lackadaisical attitude in this area and can be something that causes change for me. It can cause disillusionment with simply Christianity, rubber stamping culture. More on that next week when we come back. And one of the books that has been a resource for this series and thought for me is a guy named H. Richard Niebuhr, and he writes in Christ and Culture. He says this, the relations of the authority of Jesus Christ to the authority of culture. Oops, go back one more. There we go. The, uh, the, relationship, the relations of the authority of Jesus Christ to the authority of culture is such that every Christian must often feel himself or herself claimed by the Lord to reject the world and its kingdoms. In other words, there is, in a sense, in every form of Christianity, a sense of rejection of something with their pluralism and temporality, their makeshift compromises of many interests, their hypnotic obsession by the love of life and the fear of death. In other words, uh, there's like this hypnosis that comes in it where it's all just about hedonism and pleasure and, and this, and um, we're just trying to avoid death and, and chase after fun and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's good. There's, there's some good in this kind of thing. The movement of withdrawal and renunciation is a necessary element in every Christian life, even though it'd be followed by an equally necessary movement of responsible engagement in the cultural tasks. So you can kind of see where I'm headed with this, but this is why this sort of... Um, this sort of exposure or this, this, this sort of attitude of it is a good type to have, maybe not a good place to rest, and, and some, some, but, but a, a challenge for us is we kind of navigate this and deci- discern and decide what kind of type are we and how does faith integrate with learning? What do I mean when I say that will be done on earth and what kind of responsibility does that lead for me? And how does it lead me to the question, what can I do to help? A couple of quick uh, critiques uh, about this way, because if you grew up in this, uh, and you've, you've never been able to put words as to why this is, this is not a great system for you, or you, you, know, you rejected that, or I don't know, whatever. Um, I think a healthy way to kind of critique, as opposed to just they're all just a bunch of wackos, that's not true, um, is to say a couple of things. One, uh, for me, um, I feel like a radical approach to the rejection of the world, the rejection of, of culture, fails to recognize what we're doing and what they're doing and continue, and people continue to speak as though they were separated from the world. Let me illustrate it in this way. People are like, oh, I'm so, I'm so anti that. And I'll be like, you're not really though, right? Think about the Instagram influencer who like goes on all these travels and trips and tries to show you how cool she is with all of her, how cool she is in traveling. Um, and she goes and she takes a picture of herself sitting on a rock overlooking this waterfall and be like, it's so nice to be disconnected from society. And you're like, except that you took a picture with your smartphone, posted it, and now it's sponsored by Colgate teeth whitening? I mean, I don't, are you really that disconnected? I don't think that you're as disconnected as you actually think that you are. You know what I mean? So in terms of all these people who are like, oh, against the world, be like, I mean, kind of, but like sometimes not really though, right? And number two, sin is more deeply rooted and more extensive than we'd like to admit. Withdrawal from culture oftentimes hasn't resulted in more fruit. In other words, um, just because you're distanced yourself from this does not necessarily mean that you're not struggling with the sin that lies underneath. I think that sin is pretty pervasive in this. And oftentimes we, we paint a picture that we're more separated than we actually are that we're, and we're still, we still struggle with it. Because why? Because we're human. Because it's not a, necessarily a product of culture as much as it is inside of us. And then lastly, I'll close with this. Remember that verse that shows up when John writes about like who Jesus was and he's kind of introducing Jesus to this people who don't even know him. John writes his text to a, an audience that's like, let me, let me show you the greatness of who Jesus was. 
And it's for God, he writes this in John chapter three, verse, very famous verse. For God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. No, <laughs> what's wrong with this? I mean, if you're new, you're like, oh, that's really good. Uh, no, no, no. That's not how this, this works, right? This is our attitude sometimes. This is in a, uh, in a against the culture sort of religion would love this verse to read like this. For God so loved the people who separated themselves from the world that he sent his son to die for them because of how much they had done to prove themselves worthy of his death on the cross. Except that the verse actually reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because here's what I think, that Jesus, God, is the author of creation. He's the governor that sustains all of it. I think, he's, I think he produces culture. I, I don't think he's angry at culture. I think that he sees this and he, there's, a, there's a beauty that comes uh, in this. And yeah, he's got some critiques on it. It's not always good. There's definitely things to speak to. Uh, but in the same way that you love somebody, even in their addiction, you don't love that, the addiction for them. And, you know, you hate that part of them. He doesn't hate the world. He just hates the thing that's keeping that from being its true self. He doesn't hate culture. He loves culture. He loves the world. He just hates the things that are pulling it away from this sort of thing. So I think that is, that is all quickly uh, or, a, or considerably in action to kind of look at and be like, all right, for me in my type, if I'm coming out of a culture that is against the world, let me, let me rightly critique some of the, the wrong things with it so that I can take a better viewpoint of it. And maybe that's not your type. Maybe this is all, this is good for somebody else, not for me. That's, that's fine too. It's gonna help you better be able to answer the question and understand why these kind of people exist and why these kind of churches exist and why that form of religion exists and what it does and what it presents for them as we kind of then go, okay, that's fine for them. But for me, for me, um, I want to recognize the shortcomings of this as I develop and navigate how I am going to choose to interact with the world and how I'm going to choose to interact and respond to the question, what can I do to help? So next week, we swing to the opposite end of the spectrum. And what do we do with a, with a Christianity, a form of Christianity that just rubber stamps everything culture, everything culture is great, and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with the world, and we should just kind of take everything from it, and it, we're all in everything anyway. So um, hopefully you can come back to uh, part two. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.